Hey, good morning, City Church. Good to see everyone. Glad you have decided to join us for our service here this morning. Um, can we give it up for our City Youth Worship Team? They did a great job. I'm super proud of them. I love them a lot. Um, special shout out to Aiden Simpson for leading the way for our young up-and-coming students who are so talented, um, and we love them so much. Um, Pastor Brent is away this weekend preaching at a church in Michigan, and so he has asked me to step in as we continue our series called Dreamers, where we've been talking about um, the, the dreams that God has put on our hearts and continues to put on our hearts and our lives, and what we are meant to do with those dreams as we're waiting for the dreams, and what we're supposed to do in the dream as well. And so I want to um, tell you about a dream that I had in my life, and many of you have this dream, maybe currently, and have had this dream before. Um, I had a dream to get married once in my life. Um, this, this is a good dream to have. Um, and Pastor Brent has talked at length about the dream of marriage and how good that is. Um, but thank God he has delivered for me. And um, I'm married to Ruth, who's sitting in the front row. Um, Ruth takes care of our city kids. Can we give it up for Ruth? Aren't you thankful? Um, and anyone who is married or has been married will know that the road to marriage and being married is not always the easiest thing in the world. Um, and we're pretty new at it, but even still, we know it's not always easy. Um, and we currently have a dream to have a kid one day. Um, <laughs> Okay. It's not an announcement, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying, we have a dream. It's like a five-year dream, but it is a dream to one day have children. And we don't have children now, but even still, I feel like it's safe for me to say that will also present some challenges along the way. Um, we have a dog, by the way. We have a dog. We have a dog now. That's new. Um, that wasn't my dream, I'll be honest. That was more, that was more her dream. Um, but it is my reality because we're married. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but God, in our dreams, we can have dreams and we can be faced with difficulties along the way to our dream. And we can be so discouraged by these difficulties. And we can think, if we're not careful, we can start to doubt the dream because of the hardship that we face along the way. But I think God wants us to know that just because we face difficulty along the way doesn't mean that we should let go of the dream because God has given that to us. Pastor Brent has said something to me before, and I'm sure he'll be thrilled that I remember this, but he said that um, just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. Just because something is hard doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Things are supposed to be hard sometimes. And so when you're on your way to the dream and you experience difficulty, don't be discouraged. Don't think, oh, God's left me. This dream isn't for me anymore. It's too hard. No, God is with you in that. And the difficulty is part of the journey. So for anyone who is facing difficulty or has faced difficulty or will face difficulty on the way to their dream, which by the way is all of us, um, I wanna tell you what my title is today. My title is, It's Not Over. It's Not Over. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together and just learn from you, Lord. I pray that as we open up your word that you would speak to us that you would speak directly to every single person in this room. That you would reveal to us the dreams that have not been revealed to us yet. That you would remind us 
of the dreams you have already put on our hearts. And I pray that you would refuel those dreams here this morning, that you would continue to speak into them as we step forward in faith, knowing there will be challenges along the way, but knowing that you are with us every step of the way. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Brent has been defining dreams for us as the awareness of God's desired future for our lives. That God actually knows your future, right? And he has a desired future for your life. He has plans for your life. And as you become more and more aware of what that future holds, that is a dream. As God reveals to you piece by piece what your future holds, we can hold on to those dreams and those visions for our lives, knowing that God is ahead of us and knowing that God has good plans for our lives. This is a good thing for us to be meditating on, that God has a future for our lives and we, in the presence of God, growing in our relationship with God, we can become more and more aware of how God is using us in our lives and where God wants to take us in the future. And so last week, if you were here, Pastor Brent talked to us about a man named Joseph who um, received a dream at a young age, but he wouldn't realize that dream until much later in life. And today I want to take a look at another man from the Bible um, who has some similarities to the story of Joseph. This man's name is David. And David, when he was 15 years old, received a dream from God. But he would not realize that dream until 15 years later, when he was 30 years old. And so the story of David is found in the book of First and Second Samuel. And it's really just one book. And this sto- the story of Samuel, um, it's, it's really much like our lives, a story of transitions. We see in Samuel the transition from person to person to person. And we can see the transitions in each individual's life as well. So I want to look at David's life and see the transitions that take place in the life of David. I want to talk to you today about three stages of dreaming. Three stages of dreaming from the life of David and the transitions that take place between each of those stages and what that means for our lives today. So the first stage I want to talk to you about is the stage of awareness Right? Dream is the awareness of God's desired future for our lives. And this is the transition from anointing to appointment. David would be anointed at 15, but he would not reach his appointment until 30 years old. Now, in the time of David's anointing, there was a current king of Israel, the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And for reasons I don't really have time to get into, Saul sort of fell out of favor with God. And so God said, it's time to raise up a new king. And so he sent a prophet. His name is Samuel. He sent Samuel to a family in Bethlehem. The father's name is Jesse. And he said, go to this town, go to this family. One of Jesse's sons will be the next king of Israel. And so Samuel obeys. Samuel goes, follows the voice of God and goes to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. And as he gathers the family together, this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, who was the oldest son, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is a 
really important principle for us to get in our spirits for the rest of our time together because this plays out in the rest of the narrative that God looks at the heart. God does what we cannot do. While we are busy judging the exterior of other people, God can see the inside. God can see the heart of an individual. And this is part of the reason why Saul didn't work out as king. He looked like a king. He was tall. He was strong. He was the one that people expected to be king, but his heart was off. And there was something about it that was closed off to the growth that God wanted to provide in his life. And so God sees the heart. And it continues. It says, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So right here in this moment, David is anointed to be the future king of Israel, anointed in the presence of his seven older brothers who are kind of shocked and thinking, really, this him? He's the youngest, he's the weakest, he's a shepherd. But God has called him. God has anointed him. And it wouldn't be 15 years later until he actually becomes king of Israel. Kind of our key verse for this series is found in Habakkuk chapter two. And it says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. This is why we need to write down our dreams. This is why we need to record what God has spoken to us. Because God promises you to be king, you, you want it tomorrow. But it's not gonna happen tomorrow. God has some work to do. And so we gotta write it down so we can remember what God has spoken to us. It can provide encouragement for us as we keep going forward, as we face the difficulties in our lives. And the scripture says, Though the revelation, though it lingers, we need to wait for it. What does linger mean? It means it's, it's going to take its time. It's going to be slow. It's going to be slower probably than you want it to be. But though it linger, it will not delay. In other words, it won't be late. The dream that God has put in your heart, it will probably take longer than you want it to take. But it won't be late. We have to trust in God's timing. We kind of want it on our own timing. We want to take control of that a little bit. But we have to trust in God who has given us the dream. And we have to trust that he knows the timing in which that dream will unfold in our lives. And we can see on the other side of it that God's timing was best. And that if we rushed things, then things wouldn't have fallen in place the way that God has designed them to be fallen into place. So we have to trust in God's timing. So David on his road from anointing to appointment, what does he do? That's the big question. What is he gonna do with this time of waiting? There's a lot he could do, and there's some choices that he has to make along the way. And to put it mildly, he faces some difficulties along the way. He faces some hardships. I wanna tell you about one of them in particular, and it's one that you all know about. If you've never been in church, you've heard of this before. This is the encounter between David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Now, Goliath, let me tell you about him a little bit. Um, Israel was at war 
with the Philistines. And the Philistines had what the Bible calls a champion. And this champion would go in front of his section of the army. And he would stand at the front and he would shout and he would challenge anyone to come and face him. And no one would. For 40 days, Goliath stood at front and said, I welcome anyone to come and take me on. And no one did. Everyone was afraid of him. The Bible describes Goliath as someone who is about eight feet tall, which is this ladder. About eight feet tall, maybe even a little taller. And so everyone was afraid of him. He was, he was not a normal sized man. And so it's obvious that they put him at the front to intimidate the Israel army and no one wanted to touch him. So one day Goliath is at the front of the army doing what he always does every day. But back home, David, who is uh, tending the sheep as he always does, all of his brothers are out at war. He's tending the sheep. He's not old enough to be in the war. He's also not built for war. So he's doing what he has been called to do in this season. And his father, Jesse, comes to him and he basically asks him to go and run some snacks down to his brothers. Take these snacks and take them to your brothers so that they can have some, some energy for this fight that they're in. And then come back, tell me the good news about how they're doing. Now remember, David is the anointed, promised, future king of Israel. And he's still tending the sheep. He's still doing what he's been called to do. And his father comes and say, says, hey, run these snacks to your brother. Can you imagine the entitlement that could have been produced by David's attitude? To say, I'm the anointed king of, of Israel. I'm going to be king. God has promised and secured my future. He could have said, Dad, I'm done being your errand boy. I'm the next king of Israel. I don't actually have to do what you say anymore. He could have. He could have said that. But he didn't. David did not respond in that way. David responded by honoring his father and doing what he asked him to do. He took the snacks. He went to the battlefield and he brought them to his brother. And this is so important. David, as he was going to the battlefield, he heard the call of Goliath. He heard Goliath shout and challenge anyone to come and face him. And David was offended. David was offended because you have to understand, Goliath stood for the Philistine army and they stood against the Israel army. They stood against God's chosen people. And so Goliath stands against God and David took that personally. And David was not having any of it. And so David saw an opportunity where everyone else saw an obstacle in Goliath, David saw an opportunity. But David, this is important, David would have missed this opportunity if he had ignored the ordinary. If he didn't do what his father told him to do, he would never have gone to the battlefield and he would never have fought Goliath. If I can, let me just speak to the young people in the room. We have junior high students in the room. We have high school students always in the room. You're not going to like this, but let me just say this. Don't neglect the ordinary. Don't neglect what has been given to you already. The responsibilities that you have. Don't neglect those things. If your parents tell you to do something, just do it. 
doesn't matter if you don't want to do it. Just do the thing that your parents said to do because they're your parents. Thank you. Just do it and trust that God is working through that. I know you're like, ah, another old person telling me what to do. I get it. Okay, I understand. But you don't understand. You don't see it yet. You don't see what God is doing in your life, in your obedience, in your faithfulness to say, God has placed these parents in my life. God has placed these people of authority in my life. I'm going to honor them by doing what they say. And you don't see it, but your faithfulness in that area is growing you. It's invisible growth. You can't see it. Let me tell you, I see it in some of you. I see it in some of you who are faithful with the responsibilities that you have. Some of you have a lot of responsibilities, and it's only going to grow from here. But you being faithful in it, I can see the growth. And it's invisible to you. But remember, God sees the heart. God sees what's going on on the inside. And even if you don't see it, God sees it. And it's doing something inside of you. So David, honoring his father, obeying what his father instructed, goes and hears Goliath. And he wants to challenge Goliath. And so David says to Saul, who is at the battlefield then, he says in 1 Samuel 17, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Okay? So Goliath has been described to us already. I want you to imagine, if you can, um, David is described as shorter, <laughs> a shorter man. Uh, I want you to think of a, a man who is short, a short man who is clearly not built for war. I just want you to picture that, okay? I'm right here. You can just picture me. It's fine. <laughs> You're all thinking it anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I will be David for this illustration. God sends David. Now imagine me, hold on, imagine me at 15, okay? I will... <laughs> David was 15. I wasn't stronger when I was 15, you know? It's, this, it's worse. Um, so 15-year-old David goes to Saul and says, hey, I'll do it. I'll take him on. <laughs> and Saul's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think we're gonna allow that. That's probably a bad decision. And honestly, Saul, I see what Saul is, is saying. It kind of makes sense. We kind of we um, are bad on Saul because of his, his heart sometimes, but it makes sense. It's a good military decision to not send the 15-year-old shepherd boy to fight the champion of the Philistine army. But remember, that's just the human perspective. God sees the heart. There's something in David that God has put inside of him, that has equipped him to take on this battle. Something that Saul, something that no one else ever sees. And so they argue a little bit, and eventually Saul says, okay, go ahead, just give it a try. God be with you. Hopefully it works out. Um, and so David confronts Goliath, and he says this. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. David knew that God, his God, was greater than the obstacle that was in front of him. 
And this is true for our lives, that no matter what obstacle you face along the way to your dream, God is bigger than that. God is bigger than the obstacle you face. Just because you're facing an obstacle along the way doesn't mean it's over. It's not over just because it's hard. God is still in it. God is still working things out for his good and for his glory. So don't give up the dream just because it's difficult. David had this profound clarity to know that his God is bigger than this. And so why are we even talking about this? Let's, let's take this giant down. Because he stands against God. And God will stand forever. And he had the spiritual insight to know that by taking down this giant, all of Israel would recognize who the true king of Israel is. And it's not Saul. And it's also not David. It's the living God. Everything was for him. Everything David did, his, his actions, his attitude up until this point were all for the glory of God and to show Israel who he is. And so you know how this goes. I won't read this part. But David slings the, the rocks and he kills Goliath. And so he takes him down. So this ladder is tall. I'm short. You get it? Okay. So David kills Goliath. And David, all of a sudden, is looking down on everyone. The short shepherd boy, who was made courageous by the Spirit of God, is looking down on everyone. And he has the opportunity, if he chooses to, to say, you know what? I'm better than everyone. Not a single one of you, even the current king, dared stand against this Philistine giant. But I stepped in and I took over. And we could see David, in his response to this, he could act in arrogance. And he could act in pride. But what does David do? We can see it. You got to read the whole thing when you get home. David responded in humility. And he responded in honor towards the people around him. Saul tried to kill him like three times after this because he was jealous. But still David honored him. And so what is it that took David from his anointing to his appointment? It says that David was 30 years old when he became king. And he reigned for 40 years. What would it be to take David from his anointing to his appointment? It would be his attitude. His attitude. During the appointment stage, what would, we got to look at our attitude. We got to ask ourselves, what is the attitude I'm carrying while I'm waiting for the dream to come to pass in my life? Am I acting entitled? Am I acting like everything revolves around me? Or am I sending all the glory back to God? We got to watch our attitude. Because we can think that in the waiting period, we're just waiting for nothing and we're just stagnant and we're just pausing and we're just doing nothing. But the, the stage of waiting is not a stage of stagnation. It's a stage of becoming. You are becoming someone. doesn't matter how old you are. Waiting for a dream, you're becoming someone new in Jesus, in the waiting period. So we got to watch our attitude. Now, David is human, and he would find, very shortly, the flaws of his humanity. And David could not stay up here forever, and neither can I. This is a bit much, honestly. <laughs> David would eventually discover his humanity, and you can see David's trajectory as king. It looks very promising. But eventually, we get to the second stage of David's dreaming, the stage of aftermath. This is the transition from his appointment to his accusation. 
David would be accused of a great sin, of a moral failure. And so we can see that David's trajectory in life is actually pretty promising. We can see up until he becomes king, he's doing really well. And then even the first like 15 years or so of him being king, it's going really well. But then something happens and God sends a prophet, his name is Nathan, to confront David about his errors. And so it says this, Nathan says to David, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Now, if you don't know the context, this might be a little alarming, but this is what David did basically to summarize. David took another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then killed the husband to cover it up. And he got away with it. But remember, God sees the heart. God knows what happened, and God is not done with David. God needs to correct David. God needs to send someone in his life to bring this to the front of David's mind and David's heart. So I think it's interesting that God used a prophet. God sent a prophet, a messenger of God, to David when he was 15 years old to anoint him. But then also 30 years later, God would send another prophet to David to accuse him of the sin that he is guilty of. It's the same spirit of God that calls us, that also will correct us. And we need to hold both in our hands at the same time. If you can't accept the correction, you may as well drop the calling. That's what happened with Saul. He wouldn't accept the correction that God was giving him. And so he lost the call. But David, David responded well. And we can see what took David from his appointment to his accusation. It was his actions. It was his actions. So for us, we need to know that we need to steward the dream once it's been appointed to us. Once you've reached the dream, once God has fulfilled the dream in your life, it's not over. Just because God has given you a dream in your life and has brought it to fruition in your life doesn't mean God's done with you. God ran out of dreams for your life. No, he's still doing something in your life. He's still bringing you through it. And we got to steward the dream that's been given to us. You got to use what God has put in front of you and trust that God is working in and through it. And so David, we can see in our third and final stage, David goes to the stage of atonement. And David moves from his accusation to his absolution. Now, what is it that takes David from accusation to absolution? You better believe it starts with A. It's his admission, his admission. David confesses and says, yes, Lord, I am guilty. I'm guilty of this sin. God, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me, Lord? And we can see that there's a waiting period from anointing to appointment and even appointment to accusation. But accusation to absolution, there's no waiting period. There's no need for any of us to wait to come back to God. We have to wait for the dream to come to pass in our life. There's a lot of waiting in life, but we don't have to wait to come back to God. We can come back to God today and right now. But David, in this moment, as he's faced with the guilt of his sin, David would find himself feeling so bad, feeling so guilty, and he would find himself maybe in the lowest point of his life. 
that he would sink to the lowest point that he's ever been in his life. And David would write a psalm. David would write Psalm 51 on reflecting on this, this mistake he made and the harm it has caused. And he would say this, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. David would write this psalm in the lowest part of his life. And he would know and he would discover that God is not only with him in the highest highs. God is not only with him when the battle has been won. But God is with him in the lowest parts of his life. When he has been given the dream and he has fumbled the ball, God is with him. And the beautiful thing about God is that he loves to lift his people up. He doesn't leave David there. And he doesn't leave you there either. God loves to lift his people up. And so I want to finish today by talking to anyone who feels like they've lost a dream. Anyone who feels like they're living in a post-dream life. In other words, dreams are not really for you. You're not interested in dreams. You've checked out of this whole series because you think these dreams are not for you anymore. Maybe you're kind of on the edge. You're at risk of letting go of the dream because of difficulties that have come along the way. I believe God wants to reawaken dreams this morning and throughout this series. God wants to revive your dreams. And he wants to tell you that you can't give up. Don't give up the dream that God has put on your heart. Don't give up even the idea of dreaming because God is doing something new in your life. Whether you recognize it or not, I urge you to go back to the Father and realize that he loves you so much and he wants to show you what he has in store for your life. He wants to reveal to you the good plans he has for your life. So if you're here and you're thinking, I, there's no dreams left for me. I have 17 kids. I don't have room to dream. You do. You do. You have room to dream because God cares about you. God cares about your family. God cares about your children. God cares about you. I'm speaking to parents right now. God cares about you. I know you care about your kids. And you have dreams for your kids. And that's good. But God has dreams for you too. God's not done with you just because you have kids. God's working through your kids' lives. I can see it. But God's not done with you either. So no matter where you are right now in this state of dreaming, if you've given up hope for a dream in your life, I just want you to remember that God is not done with you and it's not over. It's not over. God's not done till God says he's done and he hasn't said it yet. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for just reawakening dreams in our lives, even in this moment, 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would revive our dreams. You may have placed a dream in our heart at one point and we may have given up. We may have let that go. God, I pray that you would bring us back to that. You've shown us that for a reason and God, we hold on to that. I pray for anyone who is not dreaming at all, who is thinking that dreams are past them. I pray that you would revive their spirits again and that you would show them that there is room for them to dream still because you are not done with them. David prayed that it would please you to prosper Zion and to build up the walls of Jerusalem. God, we are your people. We are sent out by you, God. I pray that you would prosper the land in which we step into. And I pray that you would build up the walls of our dreams again. And that you would revive in us the spirit to dream. I pray for anyone in this room, any parent who is thinking about their kids, thinking about their children, thinking about all the good things you have planned for them. And I pray that you would speak to their hearts right now and to tell them that you're not done with them either. You can work on their kids' lives and you can work on them at the same time. I pray that you would reawaken dreams in every parent's life in this room. And I pray for any parent who's maybe concerned about their kids. They worry about their kids being lost to the ways of our culture. I pray that you would help them to know that their kids are in your hands and that them being the embodiment of a dream that they once had, God, you have not let go of them. And I pray that every family represented would be able to walk forward knowing that you are looking after them, that you have everything in your control. God, we pray for every single soul in this room right now. We lift up our broken dreams to you. We lift up our broken hearts to you, knowing that you restore us, knowing that you care for us. And I pray even in this moment and as we go forward this week that you would continue to restore our dreams, revive our dreams, and help us walk in greater faith than we did yesterday. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I also wanna pray for anyone who has never accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus has given to us. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna pray a prayer in a moment for you to do that, for you to take that step. And maybe you've walked away from faith a little bit. You used to believe in God, but some trouble came along and you kind of fell off the path a little bit. This prayer is for you as well, that God would restore your relationship back to him. This is a free gift of salvation. And as we pray it, God is changing your life forever. So let's all pray this together. God, we thank you for the free gift you have given us in salvation. Jesus, you came down to us and you set us free, God. And so we thank you for what you've done. And Lord, we just accept that right now. I pray for any person in this room who has never said yes to you. I pray that you would stir in their spirit an urgency to step forward and say yes to you. 
There's no time like now. And God, I pray that you would bring them forward. You would call them forward into your arms and that you would show them part of their future. Part of their future is, is relationship with you. And God, you love to see people come back to you. And I pray that they would take that step and they would see how it's the best decision they will ever make. We pray for anyone who has sort of stepped away from faith a little bit, who feels like they need to renew their relationship with you. I pray that they would know the invitation stays exactly the same. Your arms are open wide for them and it's never too late to come back to you. We don't have to wait. So God, I pray that they would take that step forward as well and say yes to you again. And every single one of us here in this room, I pray that you would restore our relationship with you and you would help us walk away from this place with a renewed sense of faith in what you are doing in our lives and in our spirits in the dreams and the visions that you have for our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate with everyone who made that decision? Come on. The, angel, the word says that the angels are rejoicing with everybody who says yes to Jesus. So good. Well, hey, if that is you today, if you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time, or whether you're rededicating your life to him, we would love for you to take the connect card that's on the seat pocket right in front of you. Just mark off at the top where it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And you can bring that over to the info desk, and the team there will greet you with a big smile and give you some free resource for your new journey of faith. So we're so excited for you. Thank you so much for coming to church today. And just before you head out today, I have some quick announcements announcements just to remind you of young adults where all my young adults at 18 to 35 come on wave your hands like you just don't care okay no but you do care because tonight at 6 p.m we got our young adults night we're gonna have some word some worship some discussion and hey maybe you feel a little intimidated coming to community but i'm telling you you're welcome you're going to come hang with me. You can sit right beside me if you want. But bring your friends. Bring your friends' friends. How many buddies? You're going to bring everybody, okay? It's going to be a good time. And we're going to just have a great time going deeper into the, into the Word and just spending time with Jesus tonight. So 6 p.m. right upstairs in the youth lounge for all of our young adults. And also, just want to mention as well, if you gave, giving-wise, um, in 2023, we want to make sure we get your tax receipts to you. Who loves tax season wow all two of you yeah I'm, on, I'm in the same boat but if you gave in 2023 we want to make sure we give you your receipt and this year we're not going to be mailing out the receipts but instead we're going to be sending it to you by email through a secure link so on your way out in the lobby there's a qr code that you can scan to update that information so we make sure we get the right receipts to the right people does that sound good Come on, would you stand to your feet with me? Would you give your neighbor a high five, a fist bump? Tell them they look good today. And hey, if you're on the prayer team, I'll just invite you to come forward down to the platform. And hey, if you came today hoping for somebody to pray with you, we are a church that loves prayer, that we don't do life alone. So if you need prayer after service, you can come over to the here to the front of the stage and our leaders would love to pray with you and for you. But church, we love you. Have the best Sunday. We can't wait to see you till next week. Be blessed. Take care and have a great week. We love you, church.